Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? All right. Well, I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. What a blessing it is to worship you with you, take communion together. Um, It was so wonderful meeting Michael and Amanda last week. I'm just really excited about what God's doing here and the themes of the morning. You are going to hear them in my sermon. I love how God does that. Um, So let's just jump in. Yeah, so we're starting a series called I Am Group, and if you haven't seen the movie, um, there's kind of this ragtag group of heroes that when they're together, they, you know, they save the galaxy, and it's it's amazing, Um, but separate, you know, they're kind of all a mess. Um, So anyway, it's just kind of a fun play on words, but um, we do have community groups coming up this fall, and so we're taking the month of August to... Um, talk about lots of various topics that tie in and pertain to uh, to the small group um, community group. And in Acts two, um, the life of the believer is is talked about, and you see how important getting together in in the smaller groups within the bigger uh, congregation, the bigger church context, is so valuable. And um, so. We are going to be talking this morning about transformation, and eventually I'm going to get to how our community group style here at New Day um, helps bring about and is an aid to facilitate transformation in our life. I uh, gave Pastor Michael a call this week and to connect with him about this, and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of teeing up this series. I want to make sure that um, I'm, I'm going to be in your flow with where you're going to take things when you come. And so it was a great conversation. And um, so I, we're, in the, we're in the same vein here, which is awesome. Um, but God is conforming us into the image of Christ. We know that, right? As, as Christians, um, we can call it transformation. We can call it sanctification, discipleship. Romans um, 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so he's saying, don't be conformed to this world. We have to resist conformity to the ungodly patterns of this world the ways of thinking that are in opposition to God, we actually need to resist that. And the opposite of that is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind where we, we act differently. We live by a new set of principles, new rules. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Um, and so this, this progress, our progress of sanctification, we're dying to sin more and more, living to righteousness more and more. Um, we're working at it now. It's going to be fully perfected, right, in glory. And, but we're making progress now while we're alive on the earth, and, um, and that is so important. So transformation is what God is up to. It's one of the things that he is up to, and I think it's so important for us 
to think about the things that he's up to. It's just so valuable. So he is up to transformation, and we want to understand that and get on board with that completely. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So we're just going to first cover a few verses that talk about how God is transforming us. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He is doing that in us, that transformation. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He's causing us to to grow up in him and um, make us new as opposed to the former corrupt state. And so... You know, it's so important in the topic of transformation to know that God is the one that turns us and transforms us. And this last verse here, Psalm 17, 15, King David says, And I shall be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. To where King David actually would wake up in the morning and he was satisfied when he resembled God. When he when in his likeness, isn't that beautiful? So transformation is what God is up to. This Second Corinthians three eighteen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there if you want. It's a great passage. <clears throat> it says, "And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory." which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when God first made man, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness in the Garden of Eden. You remember that? He said, let's create man to resemble us in form and in manner. But when sin entered, all of a sudden there was a glaring difference between mankind and God. And we know through salvation and uh, what Jesus did on the cross that we are redeemed. But then God works in us by the Holy Spirit to conform us more and more into the image of Jesus. Working to restore us to what God intended mankind to be before the fall. So that when we look in a mirror like this verse says, we see change over time. We actually look different. We look more like Jesus this week than we did last week or this year than we did 20 years ago. We are being transformed. So since transformation is what God is up to, one of the things that he's up to, the next thing I want to talk about, okay, well, what's our response? How ought we, um, you know, act because of, what God is up to. Well, the first thing is um, to surrender. To surrender to his transformation. 
we must allow him to do that work in us. We must yield under his transforming hand. Um, God is the one that turns us, but we must frame ourselves to turn. That surrender. So I want you to think about, have you surrendered everything, every area of your life he wants to transform? Every area. Everything you care about, everything you're working towards, um, you know, surrendering your kids, your spouse, your job, your tasks, your concerns. You know, if you're trying to control, if you find that you're trying to control something in your life, well, that is, a, is an indicator that you haven't surrendered that to God. Because when you surrender it to God, the weight of it, the responsibility of it, the outcome of it, is on him, and you trust in him when you surrender that. So I'm encouraging us to surrender every area of our life to God. Here's a testimony I came across of this man in his experience with learning to surrender uh, his temper. It's an area of life to surrender to God, right? So he says, I used to have an ugly temper, Easily ignited at the slightest provocation. It was ugly. I hated that nasty demonstration of that temper. I tried to control it, but I just couldn't. Things would happen, and before I knew it, poof, my control was gone, and I had blown up. And there I was, ashamed, embarrassed of all the things I did and said, guilty, defeated, and with all my efforts, I couldn't control it. And then one day I said, God, I am sorry. I just can't do it. I've tried, Lord. I can't do it. And I gave up in despair of being able to control it myself. When I surrendered, then the Spirit took over, and he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He took away the inward boiling, the inward steam. It wasn't a thing of my keeping the cap on the pressure while seething inside, ready to explode. Somehow, the spirit from within took away the pressure and the steam. I could look at a situation or experience a situation where I would have exploded violently, but there were no more explosions. As I looked from the mirror, I saw the spirit's work in my life, changing me into the image of Jesus. So what do you need to surrender to him this morning? The second response, since God is all about transforming us, is to engage. Engage with it. Participate. Um... Be serious about participating in his work of renewal in our life. Commit to do the things that disciples of Jesus do. You know, read the scriptures regularly, spending time in prayer, worshiping with others who are seeking him, practicing communion, living generously, um, you know, serving others, caring for the poor. All these things, we are engaging with it. So, um, you know, oftentimes... When we surrender things to God, he 
asks us to steward the thing that we've surrendered to him, right? Um, if you surrender your child to God, God, I'm, I'm struggling with a particular child and how to handle the situation. I've been striving and trying everything. I'm at my wit's end. I'm so discouraged. You know what? I am going to surrender them to you and trust you that you are going to um, teach them and raise them and you know how to best parent them. I'm going to trust you in that and surrender them to you. And the weight is off your shoulders. And then you say, well, God, how do you want me to engage? How, what, what do you want me to do? Is there anything you want me to do? Well, yeah, I want you to go in a spirit of peace and I want you to give this choice and then remain calm and let them choose. Oh, okay, I can do that. In Matthew 25, there's the parable of the talents where the master entrusts his property to his servants. The property was his. It was still his even when he gave it to the servants. And it was still his at the end. So everything we're surrendering to him is already his. But we we must surrender and then we engage. What do you want me to do? He might say, well, actually, I don't want you to do anything with this. I want you to just, you know, kind of pray and, and completely leave it to me. Or he might give you some practical things to do. Um So here's a quote from an author, Kevin Watson. He says, God is able and willing to restore us to health, transformation, but he also invites us to participate in the Spirit's work in our life, which is what we're talking about right now. Imagine someone who said they wanted to be a professional baseball player, but they were not interested in buying a glove. Being a Christian involves a commitment to a basic set of practices. That's the foundation of Christian discipleship. So I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to be like you, Jesus. Make me like you. But you're not willing to buy a glove. That's, That's kind of the steps. That's the engagement that we're talking about. Um, so then, um, so in this, we ask him, what do you want me to steward? How do you want me to steward the thing I've surrendered to you? Um, the, um, the next question I have, I guess I have a lot of questions for you <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Rhetorical questions. I'm not expecting you to raise your hand. Um, is... I want you to think about who have you surrendered your transformation to? Have you surrendered it actually to yourself or to no one or to other people or to God? I'll give you some examples of each. So like who are you counting on to transform you? If you're counting on yourself then um, it's very heavy. You're like, I have to change. I have to do this. It's very, uh, you're striving and you feel the burden on your shoulders. There's lots of worry and fear there. Now, obviously, I've just said it's important that we do the things and we participate. But there's a difference here. I'm talking about who are you ultimately counting on? Do you ultimately feel like, I actually have to do this? If, if I'm going to change, it's just up to me. 
Um, and I realized, you guys, as I was preparing this sermon, God kept showing me areas that I hadn't surrendered to him, that I was just going about in my own strength. Like, I got this. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but, and then there were other things that were a bigger deal that I was, like, worrying about. And, oh, I actually haven't surrendered that to you. And so I started doing that with all the little things you'd bring up this week, surrendering it to him. And, and it would, the weight, the worry would go, the weight would lift off my shoulders, and I would be so much more peaceful. So are you counting on yourself to, uh, for your transformation? Or are you counting on no one? Are you not growing? You're not being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This would be someone who's just avoiding transformation altogether, um, just disengaging with the transformation process. And so they're not looking to transform or, or planning on that or anything. Um, this would also be the case of, uh, for, the, for the non-believer. If you're not a Christian, obviously. You're not looking for someone to transform you into the image of Jesus. <clears throat> okay? So what about if you've transfer, or, um, if you are putting your hope in others transforming you? Um, this would be like depending on a mentor or a pastor or the worship team or your spouse or your parents. You're, you're saying, well, I'm going to grow if they provide the worship songs that I like this morning, then I'll worship God. Or if, if my husband initiates, you know, doing devotions with our family, then our family will grow. Or if, um, you know, if someone were to ask, no one asked me to do a a reading plan with them, I'm just not really reading the Bible. Or, um, you see what I'm saying? You're, You're putting the onus on someone else for your growth, um, and counting on them. Now, the other side of that coin is obviously we need each other. I'm so encouraged when my brother or sister in Christ shares something with me and I become more like Jesus because of what they shared. But when you surrender to God, the difference is I'm not looking to that person. I'm saying, God, how do you want to transform me based on what they're sharing? You're still putting it on God. You're appreciating the community, and what they're bringing. Um, But you're not waiting on another person. You're not um, depending on another person. Or say, um, if you've surrendered to God, then when you come to church on a Sunday morning and you're about to listen to a speaker, you're looking to God for your transformation. So your attitude of heart is, God, how are you going to transform me today? What are you going to do today? And it's much less about who's speaking. I hear, I've hear i heard people say over the years, like, well, I didn't get anything out of that speaker um, for whatever reason. Or, or I, already, I already heard everything they said. I've heard that before. Did the speaker share a Bible verse? 
Okay, the, the Lord can use, he's going to transform you. So be looking. I think sometimes when we listen to sermons, not necessarily even on a Sunday morning, even on a, you watch a podcast or anything, we can get caught up in like judging it almost or like um, getting, sometimes I get distracted by like a little theological question. Like, I don't really know about that. And then I spend the whole time thinking about that. And I haven't at all been like, oh God, how, how do you want to transform me this morning? Because it's his job, that's what he does. Um, this passage in John 14, 26 and 27 um, says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, which he's already sent, if we're, you're a believer, he's inside of you, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So when we're going into a Bible study or community group or a Sunday morning, wow, God, you're the one who's going to teach me all things. What are you, what are you going to remind me of this morning? You see how you're benefiting from others, but your dependency on your transformation and how you're going to grow is on God. So I came across this awesome story, and if you haven't heard this before, I encourage you to look it up on YouTube, and this missionary, Otto Koning, tells his whole story. It's like an hour long. It's amazing. But I'm going to sum it up because it just ties in exactly what we're talking today. So Otto Koning and his wife, Carol, were missionaries to New Guinea, and this was years and years ago. Well, the natives there that they were, you know, evangelizing to and becoming a part of the culture um, were chronic thieves. It was just who they were and how they were. They, they taught their children how to steal from the time they were little, and if they got caught, they would get beaten. Like, it, everyone stole. It was just as normal to them, you know, as maybe like worry would be to someone in the United States. So so this is the environment that he's uh, a missionary in. And he can't get anything to grow in the soil. Finally, he finds pineapples will grow. So he um, gets this pineapple. I guess it takes like three years to produce mature fruit. And so he's waiting and he's so excited well, the natives kept stealing his pineapples. He could not get any pineapples. And he was so, so, so mad. And he'd watch his garden. He'd be like, get out of my garden. Give it. But they would take them while they were green, while they, were, you know, they weren't even ripe yet. But that's when they would steal them. So he could never get them before them. So he was so frustrated the whole time. He's just mad all the time. They called him an angry white man. They called him a stingy white man. Why are you so mad? Why don't you want to share? They would distract his wife at the front door and then steal stuff from their house. And then when he'd be ministering in the village or learning their language or bringing a medicine or whatever, they'd, the guy would be wearing his shirt or, you know, 
have a necklace with their can opener on it or the baby's diaper pins in their ears. Like all, and he's like, give my stuff back. He'd bring a box with him and he'd collect everything that they stole. He's like two of them and hundreds of them. So they, he, he was just mad all the time. And he never saw a single um, person, you know, convert to Christianity, become a Christian. But he would tell them about, you know, this is what Jesus is like and, and this is how, you know, a follower of Jesus acts and all these things. Well, he, um, he never had a pineapple and he was so mad. He went on, um, and he tried everything. He, like, he got a dog, um, a big German shepherd, and crazy things happened as a result of that. He had to get rid of the dog. He tried things like, okay, I'll give you half. I put this stick. You can have this half. This half is mine. Don't touch my pineapples. They wouldn't. They stole. But, I mean, he tried everything. He's at his wit's end. So he, he takes this break. He comes back to the U.S., and he's attending this seminar. And it's about surrender. It's about giving everything in your life to God. Kind of giving up your rights, you know. And, and so the speaker's like, you know, who has something they need to surrender to God? And he shoots both hands up, and he's just crying. And so he gives, he gives his pineapple garden to God. He's like, God, it's yours. You can worry about the fact that they're stealing your fruit. You know, it's, it's yours. And he said that he never felt so light. He never felt so good. His, it had destroyed his health. The, the worry and the stress had actually destroyed his health. Um, and he was just in a bad place. So he, he finally um, gives this possession to God. Um, okay, God, the speaker's like, God takes good care of his property. You can trust him. Give it to God. So he gives it to God. He comes back, and um, the people notice that he's not angry anymore. And he's like, they're like, what's different? And... Um, and he's like, they're, I, they're not my pineapples anymore. And they're like, what? And they, they can't believe it. They're, they're all confused. And uh, they keep stealing the pineapples. And, and so sometimes Otto shares, he's like, sometimes I'd like try to help God out and be like, God, they're stealing your pineapples. Are you going to do something about that? And, um, but uh, he just, he kept having to remind himself, okay, just, they're gods. Don't worry about it. And, um. And uh, then one of the natives that he was kind of closest with said, Otto, did you become a Christian? And, um, he, and Otto was like, what? Like, he's like, you, you're different. You, did you become a Christian? We always wondered if we'd ever meet one. You know, <laughs> you told us what a Christian was like. We'd never seen that before. <laughs> and so he was just devastated at that news and was like, oh, I'm, a, you know, I'm really failing here. But anyway, he <clears throat> eventually, um, things start going bad in the village. Like God's giving them a consequence for their stealing. And so they're noticing, like, wait a minute. They're, they're kind of trying to figure out what happened here. Um, but eventually they're like, demand, who did you give these to? Did you give these to like a big headhunter? Did you give them to like the witch doctor? We got to know who we're stealing from because we're seeing these effects. We're not able to catch fish. Our crops aren't growing. Our, you know, our um, wives aren't getting pregnant. Like what's, you know, there's something going on here. He's like, well, I gave them to God. And they're like, 
your God doesn't have pineapples in heaven? And they're like, well, I gave them to him anyway. And uh, they're like, you can't do that. Take them back. And they were so mad. Take, take back your pineapples. Nope, they're God's pineapples. So about half of them stopped stealing. And, uh, and, and, and many of them became saved. He started um, you know, teaching them and, and teaching some of the young boys to be pastors and one day and it was just this amazing thing and uh then they started bringing him pineapples and we don't want to steal from your god and so he was able to finally have pineapples <laughs> and once he had surrendered it to god and the other cool thing is he's like wow god you're really good at growing pineapples as soon as he gave it to god the plants got tall the pineapples were taller bigger tons of them where he was actually having to start to export them out of the plane and and spread them around to all the other missionaries because he had way too many and so wow god is really good at taking care of his possessions and um surrendering the other thing that i forgot to say was he's like all right god they're yours so you just go ahead and weed it you weed that garden (laughs) and um and then god spoke to him and then he's like oh yeah there's that stewardship aspect of i've surrendered it to you but you have me uh to steward this and and so that was a great example of that but the struggle stops when it's not up to us anymore and so i really want to encourage us to give everything to god well how does our um community group style facilitate transformation um so, so there's actually three types of small groups. There's affinity groups, which are organized around a common passion, like a book club or a sports league. And these types of groups are really fun and great for building relationships, both awesome things. But they're not most effective in fostering transformation because you all often just kind of remain surface level. But there's nothing wrong with them. They're just not going to necessarily bring about that transformation. Then you have information-driven groups where the focus is on learning new material and discussing new material. Um, So this would be like a Sunday school where the curriculum is the center of the group. Also really good, right? We're supposed to learn things. But it often doesn't bring about actual transformation in our life it's easy to avoid vulnerability um, or how we're actually applying what we've learned to our life. How is it changing us? How are we taking what we've learned and made it more like Christ? So often an information style group also doesn't bring about transformation. Uh, but a transformation driven group focuses on discussing becoming increasingly faithful followers of Christ focused on living out your transformation. So how has, you know, what you've read this week changed your life? How has the sermon that you heard on Sunday um, impacted your life this week? Like, how are you being transformed? So when you meet, the group members all answer the question. And the question is something along the lines of, it can be slightly different each time you meet, but it's something along the lines of, how are you doing spiritually? How is it with your soul? Um, how have you been growing? What's God been doing in you in this last week? Um, and so it's an open-ended question that helps people understand what's going on in their heart 
and helps them to receive revelation from the Holy Spirit. And um, other people then can support you, encourage you, like run this race alongside of you. They actually know what's going on in your life. And it is a beautiful, powerful thing. Another benefit of this format is it draws attention to the reality that our Christian life is not static. It's, it's meant to grow. Um, so constantly being reminded of the importance of living out our beliefs is what that question will facilitate. How is your life in God? And knowing that you're going to answer the question each week, each week you're more aware of what God is doing in your life, how he's at work, and are we cooperating with what he's doing or are we failing to cooperate? Reminds me a little bit of what Luke said with the miracles. It's like we're looking for that more because we're planning that we're going to be answering that question. Um, So this transformation-style community group is one that um, Michael's church has been doing for a long time, and that's actually how Cameron um, found out about it, and we've been kind of transitioning New Day to this style. And so I did want to get, I'm like, okay, you've been in this type of group for years. Like, what's it like? And he's like, it's absolutely changed my life. It's like, that's why I'm a pastor, um, because of what came out of and the growth that came out of these style of community groups. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I've only been at this kind of group for one year. <laughs> so it's amazing. Um, but this also requires vulnerability, you know, to be able to go to that deeper level in this type of group and, and really say where you're at and how you're growing or how you're struggling, you know. And it also provides accountability. You're, it's, you're kind of holding yourself accountable because you're giving a report of what God's doing in your life. So you're really holding yourself accountable. And then others can um, hold you accountable as well. So that is the transformation style group. And um, so you can kind of be getting ready for that. And, and maybe you've already been having these types of questions in your groups already and maybe this really won't be a shift um, for your groups but I know signups will be in September your groups will start in October which will be very exciting but in closing um, Sheldon do you mind just playing a little bit and we'll just pray give me a little music so just to wrap up what we've talked about this morning God is at work to transform us We must surrender every area to him and then be proactive stewards of our discipleship. Working for him, bearing a light load, not a heavy burden because we know it's ultimately up to him. So let's stand and pray. Lord, thank you that you are so patient with us and that you are restoring us back into your likeness to be like you. So we recognize that transformation is what you're up to and we just invite you now to pinpoint if there's any area in our lives 
that we have not surrendered to you, that we've been holding on to, that we've been trying to work it out on our own. Would you highlight that to us this morning so we can surrender it to you? Or maybe you've been really counting on another person. You've put the the weight of your transformation on another person. And you wanted this morning, repent for that and put it on God. And acknowledge that he is the one who will truly transform. Yeah, we repent for any way that we've surrendered our transformation to another. Any way we've not yielded to your work. We want to be like you. We love you, Jesus. We surrender our lives to you and follow you. Thank you that you put us in churches and communities to grow in so we can encourage one another and be encouraged by our brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for this church and what you're doing in our our lives individually as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, as service is closing, we've got the prayer in Raymond.